Hello, I'm Toby, and this is Toby Haydokes Who's Round. Well, that's life. Right, um, we're at the Lowry Theatre and it's a sunny day, so I've dragged somebody inside. I'm sorry about that. Uh, And so I'm going to ask her to tell me who she is and why I'm talking to her about Doctor Who. My name is Joanna Munro, and a very, very long time ago, it feels like the beginning of the invention of television, I think now, I was very fortunate to be in John Pertwee's very last instalment of Doctor Who, which was the planet of the spiders. Yes, so how did that come about? Well, it was very strange. I was actually on holiday in Spain, and my mother phoned up and said, um, what day are you due back? And I said, I think it's on Saturday. She said, well, that's lucky, because you're starting rehearsals on Sunday. I said, what? She said, well, Barry Letts has been on the phone. He wants to know if you'd like to do Doctor Who. And I went, yes, yes, please, please, please. Rushed back, so I didn't know anything about it until I got there on the Monday. And Barry was there, and who I'd met before, so it wasn't something he hadn't just... Yes, well, why yes, was he phoning yes, your mum? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, it's a plucked my name out of the blue. Well, he knew mum anyway, because my mother was an actress, Frances Bennett. And um, he said, is Joe available? Because I'd done... I'd just done Princess... That's what I'd done. I'd done The Princess and the Pea for Jack and Ori. Uh, no, it wasn't Princess Pea, it was The Princess Who Couldn't Laugh for Jack and Ori. And when the BBC was the BBC and it was still in London and you were at Television Centre and you were at the acting rehearsal room so everybody knew everybody else. And I'd seen Barry there and he'd obviously thought, oh, actually that might be useful. Um, as a lot of the way you got cast in those days really, you know, you met over the breakfast tables in the acting rehearsal rooms. And um, so he found out and said, would I play this Metabelian peasant called Riga or Riga or whatever her name was. And, uh, and so I was thrilled. And I said, yes, please, lovely. And I was still, a, I mean, I'd done a couple of tellies, um, but not a lot. And I was 18. And I went in to play this Metabelian peasant with Gareth Hunt. Yeah. The beautiful Gareth Hunt. God bless him, miss him. And Ray Farless playing my brothers. And wonderful, wonderful John Pertwee and Lizzie Jane Sladen, who was just, I mean, Lizzie Sladen, who was one of the nicest people I think I've ever met in my life. And she... She made me feel... Because you do feel, when you're that age, and you go... It's different now. The, the youth this day are much more grown up than I was at mm. that age. Um, but she she knew that I was nervous, and she just welcomed me with open arms. And she was such a darling. She really was. And I don't know if people know this, but she was actually terrified of spiders. Absolutely terrified of them. So, of course, when they had to do this the thing of having the big spider being put on her back, they had to superimpose it onto her because she literally went into meltdown because she was so frightened of them. And she was terribly brave because there were these things crawling about. And she found it very, very difficult, but she was wonderful. And how about John? Because as you say, it was his last oh, one. He was, so. he was so funny and so glorious and such a gentleman. And he was in enormous pain at the time because of his back. Mm. And he had a wonderful stunt man. Who I, his double, I believe, was called Terry. Terry Walsh. Terry yeah. Walsh, who was a, a wonderful man. And he'd do all the throwing about bits and everything and lying down on the floor. And there was one bit when John was lying on the floor and then they had to get three people to help him up um, because he was in so much pain. But he never, ever complained. Ever. And he was... He was old school. I mean, he was just wonderful. And just watching him and learning from him. And of course, you know, and the wonderful thing that Barry would always say at the beginning of every rehearsal was, you know, 
there might be moments of these of this that feel very camp and very un, and very silly and all of that but this is solemn truth and we play it for every single moment of truth that we can and it was a wonderful exercise i remember though there was one moment when he the plant the leader the met, um the leader of the spiders oh, sorry of the eight legs i should call them <laughs> we weren't allowed to call them spiders they were eight legs the queen of the eight legs because I remember one famous line I had was, Mother, listen, the Queen of the Eight Legs is coming. <laughs> and the Queen of the Eight Legs duly arrived. And she said, uh, where is the two-leg uh, man, Tuar? And that was Gareth Hunt's character. And he stood and he had one log leg cocked up behind him and he looked at me and he said, it's not me. <laughs> like that, which made me fall about. So <clears throat> we were wrapped over the knuckles for that one. But um, it was a joyous time. And it's, I mean, I'm 60 years old now. And it's something I remember with so much joy, because everybody on it was wonderful. I'd always watched Doctor Who, loved a Doctor Who. Um, remember hiding behind the sofa the first time the, the Daleks were ever seen. So I'd watched it from the beginning with William Hartnell and everything. And to be asked to do it, I mean, I feel very privileged to be part of the Doctor Who club. I really do, because, and it's extraordinary, wherever I go, in theater, wherever I am, people will always come up with um, Doctor Who memorabilia for me to sign. And I think that's just fantastic because it's, such, it's something we're very proud of in this country and I think we should be because it is an institution. And to have been part of that institution is, makes me very, very proud indeed. Even though you've done so much other yeah. stuff? No, it, it, yes, even though I've done, I've done masses more. I've done loads of telly and theatre and stuff and musicals and all sorts of things. But to, to be part of the Doctor Who family, and I've done work, obviously, with Big Finish, David Richardson and everyone, which I love. And if they're listening, yes, please, I'd like to do some more. Thank you very much. Well, they host this podcast. Oh, well, so. thank you very much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'll bring cake. Um, but um, it, it, it's, it's a privilege. It is a privilege. You do feel that you're part of a very, very special club because it's known everywhere. And it's been such a huge part of people's lives. I mean, the very fact that you and I are sitting and talking mm. about it over 40 years after I did it, I mean, 42 years later, was, and I can remember it. And I remember I was very self-conscious about my arms. So if you watch it, you'll see me clasping the top of my arms a lot all the way through. We did have, I will tell you one story, though, it was lovely. They were doing um, Top of the Pops in the studio, uh, two doors down from us, in the big old um, television studios in, in um, White City. And Rafe and Gareth and I were on a tea break and we were in our peasant uniform with long hair and all of this. And we were lurking by the top of the pop studios. And one of the guards opened the door and said, oh, you're probably on next. And opened and pushed us through thinking that we were obviously the next group that was going on, <laughs> which was fantastic. So we stayed and we bopped a bit, you know, and then went out again before they found out that we weren't supposed to be there. But oh, no, brilliant. it was great. It was great fun. Well, I think I have to ask a sensitive question, but I feel oh, it's I one know. that I, Okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be allowed not to ask, is that there's an acting prize named after Jenny Laird at uh, RADA. Yeah. For, uh, and, and yet her performance in Planet of the Spiders, she seems somewhat stunned. It's, it's, uh, she's, she, and, and she's done brilliant work elsewhere. And in, uh, in she's well, Black Narcissus and all sorts of yes. stuff. Yes, well, I think but it she was... She seems to be having terrible trouble. Well, I think it was probably something that... that I think with something like that, you sort of have to let all your inhibitions go. And it, it's a game of make-believe. And you have to go back to your inner child 
and played the truth of being terrified and all of that. And maybe, she, I don't know, she was gorgeous. I mean, a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful, glorious woman. And I think it was probably a bit daunting for her. Um, and because, apart from the greatest respect, John, I mean, who was still much younger than her then anyway, but I think probably um, she, prob she might have felt, I don't know if she felt out of her depth, but also it was probably not really her metier. Mm. Which, um, but I mean, I, I still think she was wonderful. Well, and of course the electric, because it's odd now that we talk about television made like that, because television really isn't made like that anymore. But the electronic no. television studio, yeah, is is a very different beast to filmmaking, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it's, it, I mean, it's much more immediate, apart from anything else. I mean, and you don't get to see it back. Well, in those days you didn't. Now you can, of course. Um, but in those days you couldn't. It was there and it was locked away in those cameras and you didn't see it until it went out. Um, and uh, I think now there is much more lice. Well, mind you, having said that, now in television, of course, you don't get rehearsal. You just go on the floor. They say, OK, this is your mark. You just go through the lines once. You know what you're doing. Oh, this is your other actor. Hello. Yeah. And you just hope it isn't a bed scene because that could be embarrassing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and away you go. And it's... it's uh, whereas in, in the old days, you know, we rehearsed for two weeks. Yeah. Ten days, two weeks. Now, and you got to know everybody very well. People like me can complain about that and go, oh, it's much better when you could get rehearsal and you got to know mm. your other actors better. Uh, and so, you know, if you rehearse something, it's obviously going to, you're going to find more things in it. And yet the quality of acting on telly is very good now. So are we just, you know, are, are, do you think audiences are missing out or do you think actors just, just adapt? I don't know. I think, <clears throat> I think the quality of television has changed a lot. Um, I think... Whereas in the old days, everything was rehearsed as if it was a play and then put before the cameras. I think now, I think a lot of that was probably more for the producers and the directors and the cameras to work out their shots, really, than it was for the actors, in a way. Um, as an actor, I mean, you're so used to being suddenly called up to go in for an audition and you have to have at least three pieces, I mean, not so much now, but it's changed a lot but when I was a youngster you had to know that you had at least three songs under your belt that you could just produce you had three pieces you could produce you'd have a modern you'd have a classical and you'd have a Shakespeare that you could go and do anywhere at any time um, you could sight read you could do all of that because you knew you'd be called on to do anything and an actor can produce pretty I mean it's, it's what our training does for us yeah and out you and you know it, it's it's we're like sportsmen only our muscle is is in there, is in our brain. She said tapping her head helpfully for a podcast, <laughs> do excuse me. But it is in there, the muscle is in there that helps you to be able to switch. Say, if you're on stage with somebody and they dry, you're able to, to cover, yeah. hopefully, um, yeah. or, or pick up the pieces or whatever, or bring it round to work it round. So we, that's our muscle, whereas, you know, a, a runner can suddenly sprint for 50 yards or whatever. And it's the tr it's it's that that will always get us through. So if suddenly somebody came, it's like the fact that I can sit here and talk to you about it today, not knowing what you're going to ask me, but I know that what we're going to talk about is something I know about. Mm. I mean, if we get onto metaphysical science, I might have to <laughs> feign a faint or or just walk away. But if it's something that that you know about, you are able to, to use that muscle that you've trained to get you into the place to do it. Yeah. 
Well, let's take. Let's go right back to um, the beginning. Then, um, we, we, your your mother was in the business. So, mm-hmm. was was your uh, ascendancy to it inevitable? What was? Your... I think so. Yes, my natural father, my my um, birth father, was an actor as well. He died just before I was three, and my stepfather was an agent. And when I was nine years old, I think it was, I walked into. Um, the room, my mother was on the telephone to her agent saying, no, 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 she's very young, I'm not going to let her go and make a film, don't be ridiculous so of course I went, what, 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 what what?" and long story short I did go to Yugoslavia and make a film starring opposite Hugh Griffith (gasps) exactly (laughs) sharp intake of breath, no longer with us Um, the Welsh wizard uh, in Yugoslavia for nine weeks and in those days there were no child laws so you started work at six o'clock in the morning you finished at eight o'clock at night and um, uh, it, was an, it was an extraordinary piece. It was a black, very black, not really even comedy, about this old man trying to kill himself in an old people's home run by this little girl's mother. And the little, little girl finds him and cuts him down from hanging himself. And he makes it into a game and says, well, let's find all these different ways of, you know, how I was just doing research for a book. So I want you to help me doing research for a book. And it was the first thing I'd ever done. And there was a scene when he was lying in a bed and I had to walk in. I'd found, one of the things I'd found was a cutthroat razor. And I had to walk in to the bed, bedroom, and go up to him and put the razor next to his throat and then he'd wake up, you see? So <clears throat> we're doing this scene and a wonderful director called Bob Angus who actually wrote the script for Whistle Down the Wind. Ah. And a uh, wonderful American guy. And um, I'd never done anything like this before. So I walk in with this razor it's very very quiet and Bob goes action I open the door I come in with the razor and I go up to Hugh Griffiths lying in the bed and I put the razor there and Bob Angus goes and cut it and I went and he went no no that means stop that means stop <laughs> so it could have all ended very differently ended very me. well yeah but that was the first thing I did and then mum said to me she said right now you're going to have normal childhood you're not going to go to theatrical school you're not going to do any of that you're going to do your O-levels A-levels all of that decide what you want to do when you're 16 and <clears throat> when I was 16 I was diagnosed with arthritis and um, spent quite a while in a wheelchair so where I was going to go and do A-levels they didn't have wheelchair access so I couldn't go there and my mother said well you don't need A-levels to be an actress you've got all the knowledge we don't care whether you've got them or not And they took me to Brighton instead and got me drunk when I was 17, which was lovely. (laughs) And and then it sort of went from there. And and I did, as I say, I I, I did the Jack and Ori. I did the Doctor Who. After Doctor Who, I did something for Q Lawrence for the BBC. And then, of course, it was Angels. Yeah. And that was my that was my big break, really. Yeah, and it was a big run in that. Yeah. It was a f- yeah. Four, five, three, four, and I did years, I did three, three years, years on it. Three years, four seasons. Yeah, four seasons, three years. Yeah. So how did that come about? Again, I'd been to see um, Julia Smith. Again, Julia Smith, who you know, Queen of Angels and EastEnders. And she directed and, a couple of Doctor Who's back and in the Doctor day. Who and El Dorado yeah. and Zed Cars. And I went up to her for Zed Cars for the part of a young cat burglar and uh, I wasn't right for it I was I think at that time I was a bit too young but when angels came up they phoned up and asked to see me and I went in for it and originally they were seeing me for I think it was the part of Katie Betts first 
and then they decided on Anna Newcross, um, which I just loved playing because she was a single, you know, she was a single mother about to get divorced, and she was a a, a weird character, and I loved her, I adored her. And do you know the funny thing is, last night here in Salford, I'm walking across to Booth's supermarket, across the quay, and this voice goes, Joe Monroe, and I turn around and it's Shelley King. Who is in Coronation Street, Who is in Street, Coronation Street, who I haven't seen since I don't know when. I don't, can't remember the last time I saw her. And she's coming to see the show tonight, which oh, is great. Oh, how funny. <clears throat> so we're all, and, we're, and I'm still very close with Catherine Apanovich and... All that lot, you know. So oh, it was it was a wonderful time, Angels. It really yeah. was. It was an extraordinary time. And I meet actors who who came in as guest artists on it. And what we always used to do, we, it, it was a, we'd have a two-week period where we'd rehearse for ten days and then go to Birmingham and record for two, and then there'd be two days off. And we'd start on the Monday with the read-through with all the guest artists in. Um, we'd talk to all of them and say, right, we have a school outing every week during rehearsals and it'll be either bowling, it'll be the cinema or we'll go to a disco or just go out for a meal. Put your name down if you'd like to do it, it'll be on Thursday night and everyone would put their names down and say which one you'd like to do and whichever one we did. And so all the guests that were in would all come out and we'd all be together. So we'd all have a night out. And we, we had an absolute ball. We really did. I mean, it was... Probably one of my happiest times was doing Angels, and I learned so much. I mean, from amazing actresses, yeah. just extraordinary people coming in and doing that. Um, it, 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 it was it was continuation of training, really. I mean, yeah. it was just fantastic. It really was fantastic. And playing the same character for, for Citrus, did did the, did you were you able to develop the character? Because that because yes. telly can sometimes be restricting <clears throat> that, can't it? Um, Sort of. I mean, Julia was a, was was quite a firm hand on the whip. I think it's fair <laughs> to say. And um, I think her famous phrase was always, "We made you, we can break you." And uh, you know, when you're 20, 21, 22, it's you know, it's quite daunting. But she was wonderful. She was wonderful, and um, and she got the goods. I mean, she really did get the goods. And she, you know, but if you think about it, Angels was the first. I mean, it was so, uh, of its time, it was so controversial. I mean, you saw doctor, you know, you saw nurses smoking, getting drunk and sleeping with doctors. And that was mainly me that you saw. My, that was what my character did. And, and every time I go to a hospital, it's very funny. <clears throat> my husband was in hospital not so long ago. And I'd been up to the nurse's station to ask, you know, because he'd had his operation. I said, look, can I just have a glass of water? And his sister was looking at me very, very strangely. And after a while, she came up to me and she said, excuse me, she said, you were in Angels, weren't you? And I said, um, yes. She said, that's why I'm here, because I saw you in Angels. I said, because you wanted to get drunk and sleep with doctors. And she <laughs> roared with laughter. And she said, no, actually, I did want to do the nursing part of it. And I said, well, that's right. She said, yes, yes, your, your, yours was a bit of a goer, your a character. And I said, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, she was. Yes, she was a bit. But I loved it. I loved it. And it, 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 it was... I learned so much from it. Well, unless we forget, as you say, you know... You, you, like we are much less formal in how we treat politicians now. Up mm. until that point, I think, you know, medical professionals were mm. seen as very much that. Oh, absolutely. There was a sort of, and an television didn't show professionals no. behind closed doors, as it no, were. No, absolutely not. And I think that, that was the secret of it. It was, you know, it was the behind 
closed doors look at all these people, you know, and uh, all that the, um, um, what's it called, the nursing body, whatever the nursing body is, uh, the Royal College of Nursing, they got, they got terribly cross with us, yeah. terribly, terribly cross. But then since then, we've had ER, we've had no angels, we've had all sorts of things, yeah. you know, green wing, everything. They sort of, they've just gone, oh, well, whatever. Well, you know? It's funny you say about smoking. My mother is, my mother was a, a, a nurse, a ward sister, guys hospital trained nurse. And she's, she, she's an advocate of breastfeeding, of course she is. But the reason she breastfed me was because it meant she could sit down and have a fag. Oh, brilliant. How brilliant. How brilliant. So, yeah, so I was yeah. a fag in one hand and a baby in the other. That's brilliant. <laughs> So um, obviously, it's it's I mean it's it's less of a thing for actors now because so little is drama is made now. But then was mm. was typecasting a, a worry being a, a regular face in something? Uh, I don't th- no, I don't think so because there was so much more of it. Mm. I mean now I've I've sort of banged my head against the wall now with what has happened now with television because you can search through the Radio Times to try and find some drama to watch. I mean, thank God for things like Happy Valley, for In the Line of Duty, the current Broadchurch that's going out, which I think is wonderful. And, and you, you get these pockets of marvellous dramas. And then you get this... I mean, I'm sorry, but reality television, I, 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 you sort of go, well, why don't you just push your nose up against your next-door neighbour's window? Because it's cheap and it's... I think it's... I, 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 I don't understand it. I mean, I'm all for documentaries and all of that, but I don't want, I really don't want to see people on benefits being thrown out of their houses. I really don't want to see um, people living in a house with each other and wanting to know if they're going to get into bed with each other. I don't care. I don't want to know. You know, I want to be able to go home and, and turn on television and be entertained, which is why I have to be honest now, I'm watching more and more American drama. I mean, if it had Breaking Bad, hello. You know, you just go, there is such... And yes, all right, the money's there. But we used to be able to do it in this country. We used to be able to do it and do it incredibly well. And we don't do it anymore. And that's why the play I'm doing at the moment, you know, if you add us all together, I think we're probably older than the Rolling Stones, the five (laughs) of us. Um, And I'm the third youngest member of the cast. And, but it's, Sandy wrote it for older women because she said, you're being, you know, we're being ignored, and it's true. I mean, I, I did seven years in Mamma Mia, uh, which I adored. I absolutely loved it and worked my socks off. What it did was it made everyone think I was dead, and, and people wouldn't come see, I mean, casting director said, oh, no, 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 we don't go and watch theatre. And you go, I'm sorry, what? Um, and I know another casting director who won't watch television. And you go, then, I'm sorry, this is then you shouldn't be doing this job no. and it makes me so angry because there are there is so much talent I mean in this country and I'm not talking about myself I'm talking about other people that I see every day who I just think there's there's a Scottish actress I know who is absolutely wonderful who is sitting at home going well I'm never going to work again and you think this is outrageous outrageous that this is happening and uh, and why do you think this? It's funny, I watched the DVD extra on The Gentle Touch mm. the other day, and it had an interview with the casting director. He said, Well, I saw Jill Gascoigne in a, in a production of the Oris Dyer above a pub. 
And I thought the idea that a casting director would go looking you for see, a lead actress fantastic. in a pub, yes. a pub production of the Irish Star is unfathomable yes. now. Yeah. So what, what changed? Why do you think that's happened? I don't know. I don't know. I think, unfortunately, the dirt, you know, there is a... People can watch things on a computer now. They go for names they recognise. So the same, the same people are doing the same things over and over again. Um, I mean, I thank God for actresses like Sarah Lancashire and Siobhan Finan and um, Olivia Coleman and people who are doing these wonderful, wonderful, wonderful jobs. And then I look round at other actresses that I just want, and you think, because, funnily enough, the sort of jobs that I would probably have gone up for, better known actresses than me are going for those jobs because the jobs they'd normally be going for aren't there anymore. So they're having to not dumb down, but they'll go, no, I'll do three. I mean, I was working with a very, very, very well-known actress and she said to me, she said, darling, she said, I did a part in the television the other day and I was woman at table playing cards. That was the name of my part. And she's a very well-known actress. I'm not going to mention any names no, because she'd be embarrassed. But I said, this is intolerable. This is intolerable. I'm, I'm sorry. And you sort of think, well, you know, this is why doing this play is fantastic. So, yes, well, unfortunately, we can't plug it because it's the last night tomorrow. It's the last but it's night. Worth, but it's worth talking about. It's, it's Sandy Toxvig yep. who's written a, a pretty much all-female It is. Play. It is all-female. We have one, one male in it. And uh, it is female male. It is set in an old people's home. And it sees five women, basically, who've been left because um, the floodwaters are rising. They've been left on the first floor. The ground floor has been evacuated and they've been left and they've been forgotten. And this young woman comes in just to get everybody else out, realises the water's rising and thinks, I'm going to get out of here, and realises she can't. And it's the re reaction and the relationship between this group of people. And it's a glorious play and it's 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 um it's very interesting we did a question every every theater we've played we've done a post um production chat afterwards and it's fascinating how people the people who've stayed behind have all said it's wonderful to see old women older women having a voice and, you know, you do find out that they swear. You do find out that they, you know, what sort of lives they've led. You do find out about them. And they're not just invisible creatures, which, you know, they have been. And, and Sandy wrote it because she and an, uh, a well-known actress, friend of hers, went for lunch in a restaurant. They were the first people in there that were sat at a table. Two parties came in after them, one party of young girls and then one of businessmen and younger people. And both those tables were served before Sandy and this actress, because they were ignored. Gosh. And she said, and, and this woman turned to Sandy and said, you see, we are now officially invisible. And you sort of go, this is, this is extraordinary. I'll tell you a story about Shelley Winters. <clears throat> Shelley Winters was, um, apparently her agent phoned her up and said, look, there's this young director, he's quite new on the block. Um, and he wants to. See, he's he's somebody's recommended that you should do. He should you should do his movie, but he doesn't know you. Would you mind going in and meeting him? And she went, No, of course not. Of course I don't mind going in to meet him. 
And she went in, she had a raincoat, she had a shopping bag with her. And he went, oh, hello, is it Miss Winders? She said, no, Winters. He went, oh, hello, yeah, okay, sit down, sit down, sit down. He said, now, have you, um, have you got a piece you can do for me? And she went, oh, no, I didn't know I had to. He said, well, have you got your biography? And she went, hang on a moment. And she took her shopping bag and she said, I know it's in here somewhere. And she took out one Oscar. She took out another Oscar <laughs> and then she took out an Emmy and she went, I'm so sorry, I forgot to bring it with me. <laughs> and he just looked at them and he went, <clears throat> I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon. I should have done my homework. And she said, now then, tell me about your movie. And she was very pleasant to him, but I just think that's wonderful. That's superb. Isn't it? Just, I'm so, oh, it's, it's in here somewhere, don't worry, I'll find it for you. But it, it, unfortunately, you know, and I know um, <clears throat> it's very interesting because I think it's I think it's general knowledge that this play um, opened in London at, at um, Kingston Rose Theatre, and it was slated by the critics. It was torn apart. Sandy was torn apart. Um, that it was a, it was basically it was an attack on Sandy that was done, and on the play, <clears throat> and the fact that it was women. They were nice about the cast apparently. I don't read reviews, so I don't know. But on the back of that, trying to get casting directors from over there to come and see it they won't because they read the reviews so they won't come and see it so you're going okay that, well that's fine we've been playing to packed houses um, audiences love it we you know it's, it, is, it is a work that could be taken away and you know but they annihilated Sandy which is something I will never forgive them for because that woman put two years into this play and it's it's it, it, it tells a truth that probably people don't want to hear that there is a forgotten, and it is, it's a, it's a forgotten race of people. Mm. Um, because, you know, oh, acting's only for the youth, it's only for the youngsters, it's only for the, you know, and you go, actually, no, it isn't. It's about experience, it's about life, and what people can bring to it. We have an actress, we have Sheila Reed with us, and she won't mind me saying, she's 79. We've got Amanda Walker, who's 82, and those two women on that stage make you just go, I am not worthy, <laughs> you know. It's a privilege to be on that stage with them every night. And I'm very blessed. And Maggie McCarthy and Rachel Davis. I'm just blessed to be with them. But it's a profession that is notoriously difficult, and particularly mm. difficult for women. Oh, God, absolutely. And I tell you something now. If, if I won the Euro Millions, which I'm intending to do, <laughs> by the way, if I win the, when I win the Euro Millions, <clears throat> my husband said, what would you do? And I said, well, obviously, we'd, you know, we'd constantly have a place in Italy where we'd live and mm. the kids would be all right and the grandkids would be all right and we'd do all of that that'd be fine and he said would you give up the business I said I'd give up being paid for it but I'd still want to do it mm. and if it meant that we could do stuff at places where people wouldn't go then I'd go and do it there because you have to keep people's imagination alive you have to keep their brain alive yeah you have to allow them to paint the pictures themselves you know and it's, it breaks my heart because we used to be the leader in the field and now we're not because America is taking over. Mm. Well, the BBC used to be the envy of the world. Oh, of course, of course, of course it was. And it's still trying to. I mean, God bless it, it's still trying to. The BBC is still struggling to do it. And thank God for radio. I mean, if I could do radio for the rest of my life, I would be happy. You've done a lot of radio. I, yeah, I've done a lot of radio. I've been on the radio rep four times and I'm in, doing Homefront at the moment, which I adore. And I love radio because it, it, cause everybody can hear, you know, paint the pictures in their head. And I think that's so important. 
Now, we have, what we haven't mentioned, actually, is they've mm. done that rare thing, especially for an actor, which can, I think, less so today, but could certainly at the time, um, when you were very present to me doing it, be a, a, a drawback, is you were yourself, because you, present, you presented on That's Life. Uh, oh, God. Is that, yeah. is that <laughs> a risky move for an actor? Because suddenly then people go, oh, I think I think I think it was a risky move for me because I was so bloody awful at it. <laughs> I mean, I was dreadful. Really? I don't know. You know, I was. That. I was dreadful. I was, I was dreadful. I was almost as bad as I was when I did the six o'clock show. I should never have presented. I was crap. And I did it. And what I had to do was invent a character called Gina Monroe and play it. I, I, I found it almost incapable to be myself. And the only time I was myself on it, when we were doing a piece about Filipino brides and men going... This was in, on um, Six O'Clock Show. And, going, and, and, and I went off on one. And I said, I think it's appalling that these men are going and flaunting these things. And I got hate mail from all these guys writing in because I dared to say something because I got so angry about it. <laughs> so I went back to being, ooh, you know, the presenter. No, I was, I was appalled. I was rubbish on it. I was absolute rubbish. So why did you do it? I think I entered it almost like it was a competition because they said they were looking for presenters. So I said to my agent, oh, put me out for that. That would be funny. And I got <laughs> it. And I have to say, I mean, I, I, I loved it because the guys on it were just fantastic. I mean, you know, they were... I adored um, uh, Bill and Michael and Doc and Gavin. You know, we had a... we. we <laughs> We had a great time, and you know Esther, you know the work she did was quite extraordinary. Um, you know, but it 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 that should I have done it? Should I not have done it? I don't know. It's a curious show to try to explain to somebody who wasn't there at the time, because you would leap from a child dying of cancer to a vegetable shaped like a boob. You know, exactly. I mean, it was extraordinary. Exactly. Yes, there was that. <laughs> there were, you know, it would be, and four hundred fifty thousand people have been killed. Joe. Oh, look, here's a carrot that looks just like a penis. You know, and <laughs> so it was a little bit, you know, we did have, that, that was the, the dichotomy that you had with it. And um, I, I probably shouldn't have done it, but, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, yeah. really. And as I say, I met, you know, some, ex some wonderful people on it, some, uh, you know, that um, I was very blessed to have in my life at the time. And it... I don't think I've ever regretted anything. I've never, there's never, I've never done anything. I don't think I've ever done anything that I've gone, oh God, I wish I hadn't done that. Because everything, you learn from everything. Um, I've never done it to be famous. I've never done it to make money. I've never done it to influence people. I just, I just, I do it because I don't do, I can't do anything else really. <laughs> If I hadn't done this, some people say to me, what would you have done if you hadn't done this? I would have wanted to have been a marine biologist. I would have loved to have done that. But this is all I've done. And who knows what will happen after this. And I've got some home front. I'm doing some directing at Drama Studio London. But who knows? So I'll have to go for the Euro Millions and work with you. Because uh, uh, um, at that time, I mean, you, Angels... Uh, that's life. You did a thing called Fast Forward, which Fast was a sketch forward, show on, yes. on BBC. You I were all that. over the telly when I, I was. I love that. Yes, younger. and up our street and all yeah. of that. Yes, yes, I did a lot of that. Yes, and I think I think what happened was in the nineties. Of course, I went into theatre, which is my sort of late eighties because I did a, a lot at the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry and Southampton, and I did Blood Brothers in the West End. 
and uh, then did more theatre in Southampton and did all my stuff on Radio Rep and then Mamma Mia. So everything, it's sort of, I tend, I tend to be very loyal wherever I go <laughs> and I stay for a long time, um, uh, which I love. But um, yes, I don't know, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I do love doing telly. I mean, if there is any telly out there, I'd love to do it. But perhaps I'm just past my peak. Well, big, well, you can't be big. Big runs in musical theatre. You've got to be in. You've, you've got you know. to be on your toes to be able to oh, do that. Oh, especially in lycra and platform boots. Yeah. So, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. And my legacy from Mamma Mia is a hip replacement, <laughs> pneumonia, um, smashed tendons, broken toe, dislocated toe. So I've got quite a few, you know. But <laughs> yeah, but I loved it. And you won the weakest link. And. I won the weakest link. <laughs> Only because I wasn't prepared to do the walk of shame in the lycra, because I thought they'll see my arse on camera and I'm not, I didn't do it. No, I won the weakest link, which was, I think, one of the things I'm most proud of. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. It was a charity, it was a musicals charity yes. special. Yes, it yeah. was, musical charity. And, and darling Summer Strallen, who I was up against in the finals, she was fantastic because she did all the banking. So it was because of her I won 14,000 and whatever for the breast cancer research. Brilliant. Foundation. Oh, well, look, uh, I've exceeded my time, so it, 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 uh, it brings us neatly mentioning uh, 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 that you uh, won the weakest link for charity, because this is also for charity. So um, which charity would you like to nominate the listeners to donate to? I would like them to donate to the Macmillan Nurses. Macmillan Nurses. Thank and, you. And the final question is, uh, do you have uh, a message for all the Doctor Who fans listening out there? Listen, the Queen of the Eight Legs is coming. <laughs> Joanna Munro, what a treat. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was brilliant. Thank you. Oh, thank you, my lovely. That was great. My thanks to Jo, uh, who was absolutely lovely. Did you hear how flustered I got when she said, oh, maybe I should work with you? And I went, <laughs> I've been watching you on telly for years. Uh, <laughs> I'm still uh, an eight-year-old boy trapped in the body of an increasingly decrepit-looking 44-year-old man. I know, 44, time hasn't been kind. Anyway, um, Joe's uh, charity is Macmillan Nurses. That's Macmillan, M-A-C, Macmillan .org.uk. It's a charity that's featured before, a very good cause. Uh, if you can donate to that in lieu of paying anything for these podcasts, that would be marvellous. Every little helps. I know it's a cliche, but it's true. Um, depending on when this goes out, I hope you'll definitely have time to listen to at least one of my two uh, recent radio broadcasts. The Road is based on Nigel Neal's superb and lost television play, and I have adapted it and attempted not to make too much of a hash of doing so. It's attracted the talents of Mark Gatiss, Adrian Scarborough, Hattie Morrihan, Colin McFarlane, Susan Wacoma, Francis McGee and Ralph Ineson. So it's a good cast. Uh, and that's on Radio 4 on the 27th of October and will be on iPlayer for a month after that. Prior to that, uh, a play I wrote called Going Going Goon, part of the I Told You I Was Ill night, which itself was part of the Contain Strong Language strand on BBC Radio 3, was on on the 7th of October, which means you probably missed it because it was when Doctor Who was on. Uh, the play, <laughs> so uh, if, you can, if that's still available on iPlayer, which it will be for a month, um, maybe have a listen to that. It's quite fun. It's got Mark Heap and Pippa Haywood in it. Uh, good actors again. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you don't want to listen to either of my radio things, that's fine.
fine because all you're interested in is me talking to people who were in Doctor Who once. That's all right, because I'll be doing that again in about a week's time. In the meantime, I hope you're very well. Ta-ta. I have a call. I'm sorry? I have a call. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The War Master. The Master of Callus. Everyone loves fairy tales. Tales of simple, noble folk whose goodness just shines through no matter what. Citizens of Callus, good morning. This is your governor speaking. It looks as though it's going to be a beautiful day. This fairy story has them all. Armies, moats, treasure, wicked, wicked women, and, of course, plenty of good, simple folk. Shut up! Shut up! There must be someone out there! Mr. Orman! Cassie! Please, somebody! But most of all, there's a terrible voice at the bottom of a very deep well. A voice with a cryptic message. Something is down there? Not a monster. Not a ghost. But something. I'll let you in on a secret. I'll tell you what it's saying. It's saying that even in fairy stories, the good people don't always win. Big Finish. We love stories. Wait! Who are you? He is the master and we will obey him. <laughs>